Well, how many of you are glad to be a part of the body of Christ this morning? Amen. Anybody? Come on, somebody. That's kind of weak. How many of you glad to be a part of the body of Christ? This is, amen, the greatest thing we can be a part of. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to jump right back into our series that we started together last week entitled, or two weeks ago, entitled Unleashed. And I want you to look with me in Psalms 81, verse 10. Psalms 81, verse 10, the Bible says this, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, so open your mouth wide and I will fill it. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, so open your mouth wide and I will fill it. And we talked about over the last couple weeks how that the heartbeat of this message is really about opening our mouths and letting God fill our mouths with His words. And we recognize over the last few weeks how that our words have literally spiritual power and they impact and influence every area of our lives. Uh, we looked at a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 18, verse 20 and 21 says that a man's belly will be satisfied by the fruit of his mouth and his life will be filled from the produce of his lips. And then verse 21 of Proverbs 18 says, and death and life are in the power of the tongue. And then in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus gives us this amazing declaration. Jesus says this to the disciples, Behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, so that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we've been drilling down on that truth from Scripture, that our words, whatever we bind or loose on earth, will literally be bound and loosed in heaven. As I said already this morning, our praise creates an atmosphere. But it's our prayer that changes the atmosphere, not only in our lives, but here's the power of prayer. Your prayers have the power to reach literally around the world. We are not limited by the power of our prayer. Our hands can only touch so many people, but our prayers can literally touch the world. And we may never leave the city limits of Arab if that's what you so choose, but your prayers can literally change the nations when you begin to understand the power of your words and really the power of prayer that God has given to us. And so today we're going to kind of just dive in to that thought about the power of prayer. So if you're a note taker, that first point on your outline is this. Prayer is powerful, but we have to open our mouths to pray. Now this doesn't mean that God doesn't hear silent prayers. How many know God is God? Come on somebody. God is God. And God hears those silent prayers that we pray and those thoughts and conversations that we have in our head. Honor and please the Lord. But I want you to see something today. I want you to recognize that even though God hears our silent prayers, if we want to unleash, that's what this message is all about, if we want to unleash the fullness of the power of prayer, we have to open our mouths. If we want to unleash the fullness of the power of prayer, we have to open our mouths. Listen to this last little statement. If you're not saying it, then you're not praying it with the fullness of power. If you're not saying it, you're not praying it with the fullness of your power. It's kind of like having a million dollars in the bank and you never swipe your card. It's having access to something that is so supernatural and so powerful that through prayer, God literally changes the nations. 
We're going to see a scripture in a minute from 1 Thessalonians where God says this through the Apostle Paul. He says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Let me tell you what God's will for your life is. God's will is that you would rejoice, that's praise, and that you would pray without ceasing, and that in everything you would give thanks, that's praise, right? Because this is the will of God. It's God's will that praise and praise Prayer, fill your mouth continually. It's God's will that praise and prayer fill your mouth continually. Why? Because as we learned last week, praise creates an atmosphere, but it's prayer that changes the atmosphere and transforms the hearts and lives of people. Let's just be very honest today. Every one of you in this room today and those of you watching online are in Christ today because somebody prayed for you. See, you're here today because somebody prayed for you. I hope you're not arrogant enough to think that somehow on your own effort, by your own power, because of your own goodness or your own intellect, that somehow you came to the knowledge of God all by yourself. Let me tell you what happened. Somebody loved God and loved you enough to call out your name. Somebody loved God and loved you enough to pray and intercede on your behalf. Somebody called your name. And they prayed. And you and I are where we are today because of the power of prayer. We are where we are today because somebody prayed for us. And if we're not saying it, I want you to hear me, we're not praying it with the fullness of power. Listen to what Luke 11 says. It says, Now it came to pass as Jesus, that's the he in this story, as Jesus was praying in a certain place that when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. That's a powerful statement. Why? Because you never find the disciples asking Jesus, teach us to worship or even teach us to preach. But you recognize they asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And I believe the reason they asked Jesus to teach them to pray is because they saw the significance of prayer in the life of Jesus. They recognized that everything that Jesus did was bathed and birthed out of a heart of prayer. That prayer preceded and prayer followed everything that he did. Prayer was the foundation stone of every message that he preached. Prayer was the foundation stone of every miracle that he performed. Prayer was the foundation stone of every deliverance that he ministered. If you remember the story of the man who had a demonic son and the disciples couldn't set him free, Jesus said this kind goes out only by, by prayer and fasting. And Jesus had no problem bringing deliverance to those who were bound. Why? Because the disciples recognized something. They recognized that prayer was the foundation stone of the heart and life of Christ. If you think about the people that you know, the people that you admire, that are heroes of the faith, you will be hard-pressed to find a hero of the faith who has not built a life of prayer. Prayer is so vital. Let me tell you what I know, unfortunately, about us as Christians. We like to listen to sermons about praying. We like to read books on praying. We like to get things about prayer. We just don't tend to pray. <laughs> We get easily distracted by all the things that we need to do and we forget that the foundation stone upon everything that we do must be established in prayer. And the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Now look at the very next verse, verse 2. So Jesus said to them, when you pray, what's that next word? Pray. 
Lord, teach us to pray. Okay, here's the secret to prayer. When you pray, say. When you pray, open your mouth. When you pray, you got to say something. When you pray, you've got to open your mouth and begin to utter the words. Jesus goes on and teaches us what we call the Lord's Prayer. But he says simply this, when you pray, you got to say something. When you pray, you got to open your mouth. Silent prayers are wonderful. Internal conversations with God are amazing. But there is another level to the power of prayer that can only be unleashed when you open your mouth. When you pray, Jesus said, you got to say something. Say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us to temptation, but deliver us from evil. When you pray, you've got to open your mouth and you've got to say something. Because if you're not saying it, Jesus said you're not praying it with the fullness of the power that is available to you. Look at that next point. I want you to see it. So we have to get prayer out of our heads and into our mouths. We have to get prayer out of our heads and into our mouths. Again, there's nothing wrong with the internal dialogue that we have with God. It's just a little short of the fullness of what God wants to do. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, the Bible says. But guess what? Faith is released by speaking. As a matter of fact, every one of you in this room and every person watching online, if you've been born again, you got born again, accepted into the family of God, saved by His grace according to Romans 10, 9 and 10. You know what Romans 10, 9 and 10 says? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. It's your faith. We're going to see in Mark 11 in just a minute that Jesus said we've got to have faith in God. Why? Because it's your faith in God that becomes the catalyst for everything that's going to happen. Because without faith, you can't please God. But all of a sudden, we recognize something. We recognize that the Bible says that we should have faith in God. And here, here the Bible teaches us that in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that we believe unto righteousness. And then it says this, and with your mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So you believe in your heart, but then guess what has to happen? You have to confess with your mouth. And the Bible says, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The word salvation in the Greek is an awesome word. It's like God took every good thing that he wanted to do and he wrapped it up in one word called salvation. It's the Greek word for salvation, and it means, yes, to be saved eternally, to be forgiven of your sins, to have eternal life, but it also means to be healed, to be delivered, to be provided, to be protected. It means every good thing that God wants to do in your life is wrapped up in that saving grace and that salvation that God offers you. So how do we get it? The Bible says I've got to believe in my heart, and I've got to confess with my mouth, and I will be saved. We call it the sinner's prayer, right? We do it every Sunday at the end of every service. We do a little sinner's prayer that we pray for people. And guess what? It's not magical or mystical. It's spiritual. And it's not about, quote, the right words. It's about believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Because if you pray it and say it, we're going to read in just a minute. The Bible says you can have it. Look what Mark 11 says. Mark 11, verse 22. 
The backstory of Mark eleven twenty two is the day before this, Jesus was walking along the road and he saw a fig tree that was in bloom, but it didn't have any fruit on it. And Jesus goes to the tree wanting some fruit. There's no fruit there. And Jesus curses the tree. He simply says this, let no man eat fruit of you again. The next day they come by. This is the next day. They come walking by. There's the fig tree withered up from its roots. And the disciples are like, Jesus, look at the fig tree. That's amazing. What in the world happened? And Jesus answers them. This is what he says. So Jesus answered them and said, have faith in God. See, when we pray, guess what we're doing? We're releasing our faith. The Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans, we believe, therefore we speak. Why? Because faith comes by hearing, but faith is released by speaking. We release our faith when we speak. Have faith in God. Don't have faith in your faith. Don't even have faith in the power of prayer. Have faith in the God who answers prayer. Right? Have faith in the God who loves you. Have faith in a good, good Father. Let me just say this day. If we could ever get a revelation of how much God really loves us, we would probably never struggle in prayer asking God for anything. I try to be a good father, and I'm really trying hard to be a good papa. But God's a good, good father. Amen. Right? And I don't know about you, I'm willing to do almost anything if it's right to help my kids. I mean, I'll do it. If it's right, if it ain't sin, I'll just about do it if I can do it to help my kids because I love them. And I'm a good father, but he's a good, good father. And the Bible says, Jesus said of his father, it is my father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. God's good pleasure. It makes his heart happy to give his kingdom, his provision, his protection, his blessing, everything that he has. It's his good pleasure to give it to his children. Just like if you're a good parent or a good papa or a good grandma, you get excited when you get to bless your kids. It makes your heart happy. That's what Jesus said of the Father. It's his good pleasure. It brings God pleasure. If we could grab that, guys, it would change the element of faith in our prayer. So many Christians believe that God is a reluctant father instead of a good, good father. So many Christians have this idea that because of their sin and their shortcomings, they now have to somehow earn the favor of God and they have to twist the arm of God and they've got to have a really good argument. You know what I found out with my kids? When we went to a Walmart <laughs> and they began to give me a five-minute <laughs> debate on why we should buy them something, I knew immediately they didn't need it nor deserve it. <laughs> why? Because they didn't even believe they needed it. You know why they didn't believe they needed it? They didn't believe they needed it or deserved it because they thought they had to convince me to buy it for them. The fact that they thought they had to talk me into it meant they knew in their own heart they didn't need it or deserve it. How many Christians are trying to talk God into blessing? Because they don't believe He's a good, good Father that just wants to bless you. That you don't earn it and you didn't work for it. Your works are never good enough. It was the price that Jesus paid 
that opened the doorway into heaven and every good and perfect gift comes from the Father and all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful thought. If we could just grab that. Have faith in God. Not in your goodness, not in your merit, not did you earn it, not did your good works outweigh your bad works, not did you do enough or say enough or whatever enough to somehow get the good things God. Just have faith in a good, good Father who desires all men to be saved because He loves you. The very next verse, Jesus goes on, He says, Have faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says... Whoever says to this mountain, listen to this, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he, he will have whatever he says. According to scripture, we can have whatever we say, but let me tell you something about God. God can't answer the prayers you don't pray. He said you can have whatever you say if you have faith in God and believe that what you've asked for will be given to you. God will do it and whatever you say you can have. Why? Because there's power in prayer. Have faith in God, a good father who desires to give good things to his children. You know what Jesus said? He told another story when he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask of him? And all of a sudden, we begin to recognize the Bible says there's power in prayer that we can have whatever we say. We can have whatever we say, but we've got to get prayer out of our heads, and we've got to get in our mouths. Let, let me just say this to you. I, I, meet, I meet people in the world, right? You ever, you ever talk to somebody that didn't, maybe they weren't a Christian, maybe they didn't believe in prayer, and you were going through a difficult time, or somebody you knew was going through a difficult time, and the world will say something like this, well, we just want you to know you're in our thoughts. We're thinking about you. I know y'all have had a hard time. You lost somebody you love. We're thinking about you. Let me just tell y'all something. If I'm going through a bad, th bad time, don't think about me. I want you to pray for me. Come on, somebody. You thinking about me ain't going to change anything. But you praying for me could change everything. Don't just think about me. Pray for me. Don't just think about me. Pray for me. Let me give you one other thought I want to challenge you because that's how the world responds many times. But you know what I see with a lot of Christians? I meet so many Christians that have never prayed out loud in front of another human being. They've never prayed in front of their spouse. They've never prayed in front of their kids. They've never prayed in front of their best friend. And every now and then, me and Kelly, will be in a small group, and I'll ask somebody to pray, and when they get done praying, they'll come up to me afterwards and say, Pastor Keith, that was the first time I've ever prayed out loud. That was scary. <laughs> and it was scary because they'd never done it before. But you know what Jesus said? When you pray, say, and I want to just challenge you today. If you have never prayed out loud in front of another human being, you ought to go home and before you go to bed tonight, you ought to fix that problem. You ought to fix that problem. Why? Because one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is that they can hear you pray. One of the greatest gifts you can give your spouse is that you're not just going to pray for them, you're going to actually pray with them. 
We had a chance last night. We babysit little Jude last night. Jude's one year old, you know, and so he just oozes and ahs and does all that fun stuff. And so we're sitting down to eat supper last night, and we're kind of following the model that John Wesley and Samantha set. And we're getting ready to eat. We're saying, okay, Jude, let's say our blessing. So we put our little hands like this. Thank you, Father, for this food, and thank you for this day. Amen. Amen. And he's learning how to do his little hands, and it's such a beautiful thing. And you know what? He's going to grow up knowing that prayer is not just an inner dialogue. Prayer is a verbal expression. And as a matter of fact, when you read the Bible, every time the Bible talks about prayer, it is never talking about an inner dialogue. It is always talking about a verbal expression. Meditation is an inner dialogue. But prayer is a verbal expression. It is the opening of your mouth. Because when you pray, Jesus said you got to say something. And if you'll say something, you can actually have what you say. And what's crazy is we'll say a lot of things that have no life in them. And when it comes to the one thing that can change our lives... We remain silent. We have allowed the enemy, hear me, to use manipulation and fear to keep us silent. And we've got this amazing resource called prayer that has not been tapped into, nor has it been unleashed in our lives because we have stayed in our heads instead of allowed prayer to come out of our mouth. So I want to challenge you today Pray out loud. Start praying out loud in private. And then pray out loud in public with people that you love. With people that care about you. And you can even say, hey, this is the first time I've prayed out loud in front of another person. You care if I practice on you? <laughs> and it's really not practice because you can't mess it up. You know why? Because if you have faith in God, then whatever you say pleases the Lord. He's got a good filter too, by the way. He filters out a lot of my foolishness and finds the heart of what really is there. He's like, I heard what you said, Keith. That really wasn't that good, but I know what you meant. Come on, let's do something with that. <laughs> it's not the perfect words. It's the expression of faith. I want you to hear that. Words are how we release faith. And if you're not saying it, you're not releasing faith in what God can do in your life. Jesus goes on, verse 24. He says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Let me give you real quick two elements of prayer. Prayer is a petition and prayer is a proclamation. There's really a lot more than that, but I'm going to give you two simple ones for the sake of this message today. Prayer is a petition. To petition simply means to ask. I'm going to make a petition. I'm going to make a request of God. I'm going to ask God to do something on my behalf. The Bible actually tells us that we ought to let our requests be made known to God. That whatsoever you desire when you pray, Jesus said, just believe you receive it. We need to let our requests be made known to the Lord. Now let me tell you what prayer is not. Prayer is not asking God to do your will. Prayer is asking God to do His will. 
Prayer is asking God to do in your life what God wants to do in your life. And if he's a good, good father, how many know he wants to do good things? He's not willing that any should perish. He didn't send his son into the world, condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God desires that all men be redeemed and rescued and delivered. God wants to meet your needs. God wants to provide for you. God wants to heal you. God wants to deliver you because Jesus died in your place, bore your sin, your sickness, your sorrow, that you might be whole. And all of a sudden you begin, that when we begin to make petitions, we just ask God to do what God has already said and promised in his word he wants to do. And then it's a proclamation where we just begin to proclaim the greatness of our God over the circumstances and the situations of our lives. Jesus said you got to say to the mountain. Let me tell you something. There's this little thing. We, we, we say it all the time. In the name of Jesus, right? We throw that on the tagline, hashtag in the name of Jesus, on the tagline of every prayer we pray. You know why? Because that's where our power is. His name is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. His name has power. And when you open your mouth and begin to pray, and you pray according to the Word of God, which is the will of God, by the way, and you begin to use the name of Jesus, it becomes a weapon that changes the world. Amen? Amen. Look at that next point. Prayer delivers us, prayer heals us, prayer raises us up and literally empowers us to do everything God has called us to do. It delivers us, heals us, raises us, and literally empowers us. But we have to pray. Two elements of prayer, two sides of prayer. We have to pray for ourselves and we have to pray for others. We have to pray for ourselves and we have to pray for one another. Many of you know Kelly and our story, 10-year battle of depression. And at the end of that 10 years, right before the Lord healed and delivered her, Kelly had this moment where I remember her telling me, she said, I realize it's not enough for you to pray for me. i got to pray for myself. It's not enough to ask the church to pray for me. i got to pray for myself. You need to begin to pray for yourself. You need personal prayer. You need to open your mouth and pray over you. You need to open your mouth and pray over you. And then we get to open our mouths and pray over one another. But it starts with praying over yourself. Listen to what the Bible says, James chapter 5. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you suffering? Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, financially, are you suffering? Is there pain? Is there sorrow? Is there suffering in your life? Is anything in your life less than what you know God has called it to be? Here's God's remedy. If you're suffering, pray. This is personal prayer. This is individual prayer. This is verbal prayer. If you're suffering, pray. Now let me tell you what prayer is not. Prayer is not telling God how bad your suffering is. That's complaining. And a lot of people consider prayer 30 minutes of telling God how bad their life is. And then they say, in the name of Jesus, amen. Prayer is a petition, but prayer is also a proclamation. Prayer is not about telling God how big your problem is. It's about telling your problem how big your God is. 
It's about proclaiming the greatness of God. It's about proclaiming life over death, healing over sickness, deliverance over bondage, restoration over devastation, exhaust, I mean refreshment over exhaustion. I was just thinking about how God literally, if you will begin to speak life through prayer and proclamation, your world will change. We can have whatever we say. And here's the challenge. We say what we feel instead of saying what we want. Whatsoever you desire when you pray, the Bible says, believe you receive it. Whatever you desire. Think about what most people say. They say, man, I'm just so tired. I'm just so frustrated. I'm just so discouraged. Man, I'm just, I'm just I never have enough energy. No matter, I just, I never get ahead. Man, I'm just always worn out. I mean, I, I never have any free time. Man, I don't have enough time to spend with my kids. I never get to, I never get to do anything for myself. I just, I just seem like I've lost my joy. I just don't feel anything anymore. And what we have done is we have just opened a door to the devil instead of opened the heavens for the glory of God because we said what we were feeling. I can't tell you how many times I prayed with people and I felt nothing and they got healed. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, this is the deadest prayer I've ever prayed. And all of a sudden, they're like jumping up and down. Woo! I mean, I'm like, that is God, you're so good. <laughs> Why? Because you can't say what you feel. Jesus said, whatever you desire. What do you desire? That's what you say. That's what you pray. You pray what you desire, not what you feel. Stop telling God how empty you are. Stop, stop telling God how hard it is. Stop telling God how you can't hear his voice and you can't get a word from God and you can't break through and you can't seem to get over this and you can't seem to get through this. Stop telling God how lone you are and nobody wants to be your friends and you're never going to have anybody significant in your life and nothing's ever going to change and start telling God through prayer, let's say what we desire. Whatsoever you desire when you pray, say that. Say that. So when I don't feel anything, I say, God, I just want to thank you that I'm anointed. <laughs> God, I want to thank you that I'm anointed, that I'm gifted, that I'm called. I want to thank you. When I'm getting ready to pray for somebody and I, I got nothing, <laughs> I say, Lord, I just want to thank you that your word is in my mouth. That your word is in my mouth. And in the moment that I need to speak, you're going to give me utterance. Lord, I want to thank you. Lord, that, that you are faithful and you are just. And Lord, that it's your reputation at stake, not mine. <laughs> and I want to thank you that you've never failed and you've never come short. Lord, I just want, I want to thank you. When I feel flat and I feel numb and I feel nothing, I just decree and declare through prayer what I want to feel, <laughs> which is alive and full of joy and full of peace and full of happiness. And I just begin to praise him and I begin to thank him and I begin to proclaim what he has already said over me, over my life. And I'm just going to tell you, it changes. It changes. It changes my life. Why? Because prayer changes things. Look at verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed any sins, he will be forgiven. This is corporate prayer. This is praying for one another. If you're suffering, pray for yourself. If you're sick, God says, hey, let's take it another level. Why don't we call for the elders? He's acknowledging spiritual authority. 
He's acknowledging the significance of the body of Christ. If you're sick, call for the elders of the church, let them anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. The Lord will raise them up, and if they've committed any sin, He'll even forgive them. The power of corporate prayer. And let me just say this to you. Let me encourage you. The place to request prayer is not on social media. It's in church. And let me tell you why. Most people that see your prayer request on social media are not going to pray for you. They're going to speak death over you. Boy, they're still sick. Man, they're really struggling. Boy, did you see how sick they are? You see how bad they are? Man, I don't think they're ever going to get well. Boy, they've been to 10 doctors already, and they keep going to the doctors. And them doctors, I tell you what, I don't think they've got a cure for them. I don't think nothing's ever going to change. Oh, well, let me share this because I need to get some other people talking death too. When I'm sick, when I'm suffering, when I'm troubled, i got a handful of people that I call on. You've never seen Pastor Keith ask for prayer on Facebook or social media. Because I don't want a bunch of dead people speaking death over me. I got a, I got a community of faith. Come on, somebody. I got a community of faith where I know there are people that love God and love me and will speak and declare the life of God. I want you to understand, when you come up every Sunday, the reason we pray for one another, every third Sunday we have our four corners, every Sunday we have our prayer teams come up there and worship. And I want you to know, every person that's on this prayer team, every person that's standing in these corners is somebody you can trust to speak life and blessing over you. These are individuals that have proved themselves in ministry and maturity. And they will pray and declare life and blessing over you. And this is where we pray. And this is the people that we reach out to when we're struggling and we're sick and we're afflicted and we're tormented. Don't give opportunity for people to speak death over you. Invite people into your life. Corporate prayer changes things. Verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. Confess your trespass. What's a trespass? A trespass is when I trespass, right? There's a line, and I'm not supposed to cross that line. That's somebody else's property, and now I'm a trespasser. I've done went somewhere I'm not supposed to go. I've done said something I'm not supposed to say. I've done done something I'm not supposed to do. We would call that sin. <laughs> you know what the Bible says to do with your sin? Only God can forgive you of sin, but the Bible says when you confess your trespasses, your shortcomings, your sin to one another, you know what happens? We can pray for one another and we will be healed. There is a healing, there is a deliverance, there is a breakthrough that comes through corporate prayer. And you know what I think is so powerful about this one specifically? I think that when I confess my trespasses to one another, I'm tapping into another spiritual principle. You know what it's called? It's called humility. Because for me to get real and tell Stephen I'm struggling with something and ask him to pray for me, me means I've got to humble myself. I've got to humble myself. And the Bible says God resists the proud, but guess what he does? He gives grace to the humble. And again, I don't confess my sin and trespasses on social media. Among the fellowship of the faith with trusted brothers and sisters that you could say, hey, I'm struggling with this and I'm battling with this and I'm dealing with this and I want to be free. That's where liberty and freedom and healing comes in our lives. It's the power of prayer. 
The last part of that verse says this. Listen to what it says. It says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And Elijah was a man with like nature like ours. He earnestly prayed that it would not rain. It did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced his fruit. It's fruit. Think about this. Prayer empowers us to do what God has called us to do. Elijah was called to be a prophet to the nation of Israel. And God used him prophetically through prayer to bring a nation to its knees and bring a wicked king to a place of being dethroned. I don't know what God specifically has called you to do, but I know some, some things he has called you. Let me share it. I wrote it with you. Every one of you in this room, if you're a Christian, you're called to be salt and light. Every one of you in this room, you're called to win souls, make disciples, destroy the works of the devil. Every one of you in this room is called to do what Jesus did. Because Jesus said, the works that I did will you do and greater works than these will you do because I go to the Father. I don't know what your specific call is, but I know what our corporate call is. And through prayer, we do those things. Prayer empowers us to do the things. It becomes the foundation stone for all ministry that happens in our lives. And as we pray, we say what God says. Look at that last point. Our prayers have the power to save families. We said it already that you and I are here today because somebody prayed for us. This coming Saturday, we're going to have our distribution day. 272 kids, 272 families are going to be gathered at our Arab and Holly Pond campus. We're going to give out backpacks and shoes. We're going to love on them. We're going to encourage them. And we're going to share the gospel with them. And we're going to give those 272 families an opportunity to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to pray with me. I want to ask you to pray with me this week. Let's pray for salvation and transformation. Let's pray that generational curses would be broken. Do you realize that every time one of those kids gets saved? And I hear people say, well, you know, Pastor Keith, they're just a kid. I'm not sure if that really counts. I'm just going to tell you, it counts. <laughs> it counts. I can't tell you how many, how many adults I've met that when they were five years old at a VBS, they got born again. When they were seven years old, they heard the gospel and they got saved. When they were 13 years old in a youth group, somebody told them about Jesus and they got born again. And they may not have walked a perfect line, but somewhere what God put in them began to continually draw them. And they came back to a place of faith because there was a good father that loved them. Amen? So I want you to pray. I want you to pray with us. We start the first of every month, the first Saturday of every month for one hour in Arab, corporate prayer on Sunday, the first Sunday in Holly Pond. And we pray, and we put that prayer focus on our Liberty Church app. We also have converted that monthly prayer focus into daily prayer focuses. Every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we've got specific points of prayer. This Friday is our specific prayer for our outreach event to see families saved, set free, and made whole because prayer changes things. Prayer has the power to save families, change communities, churches, nations. The strength of every church, let me tell you one thing, is prayer. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And here's the answer. This is what he said. So pray that the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers into the harvest field. I want you to know, I don't know how for how many years I've been praying for a thousand laboring leaders 
that would raise up thousands of laboring leaders. And I say that regularly. God, I thank you for 1,000 laboring leaders at Liberty Church. 1,000 people who are winning souls, making disciples, and destroying the works of the devil. 1,000 people who are unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1,000 people that are not content to come to church. They're going to be the church. And I've been praying that for years. And I'm going to keep praying it until I can change it to 10,000 people. But Lord, give us 1,000. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Look at these scriptures. 1 Peter 3, 12. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their what? Their prayers. Matthew 18, Jesus said, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they may ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. John 14, 14, Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. 1 John 5, 14 and 15, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we will have the petitions that we have asked of him. This final scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 2, I want you to see this. 1 Timothy chapter 2 gives us a very simple pattern of prayer. I want to share this with you. Let me tell you why. I want to share it with you because so many times I meet so many Christians that struggle with what to pray. Pastor Keith, I just don't know what to pray. I just don't know how to pray. Number one, pray the word. God's word is God's will. And all the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. If Jesus said it, you can believe it and you can pray for it. They're all yes and amen. But in 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul gives us instruction on how to pray. And what, what's neat about this prayer is it will work for every person, every situation, and every environment you find yourself in. So look what he says. Verse 1, I urge you, first of all, to pray for who? For all people. Pray for all people. The people you love, the people you hate. The people you agree with, the people you disagree with. The people that hate you and disagree with you. I encourage you and urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. And then he tells us how to pray. He gives us three things. Look what he says. Ask God to help them. Ask God to help them. How do I pray for people? How do I pray for my family? God, help my family. Help them see what you see. Help them hear what you hear. Help them do what you've called them to do. Lord, help them have eyes and hearts that are tender and responsive to you. Lord, help them find joy in Jesus. God, help them. Help them make wise decisions. Lord, Lord, help them sort through the chaos that's happened in their life. Lord, just help them. How many know the Holy Spirit's the helper? He loves to help people. And Jesus said, when you pray, just pray, number one. Ask God to help them. And then he says, and intercede for them. This is powerful. The word intercede means to stand in the gap. To stand in the gap. To, to cry out for the mercy and the grace of God over the people that you love. Let me, let me just say this to you today. We have way too many people calling down judgment and way few many, way too, we have few many people interceding for the mercy and grace of God. I'll be honest with you. I get sick and tired of hearing people talk about America. Well, if God don't judge America, if God don't judge America, if God don't judge America. Well, let me ask you a question. Before you pray, God judge America, why don't you pray, God judge me? Amen. Why don't you say, God, just give me what I deserve. And oh yeah, God, by the way, give America what it deserves to. Give me what I deserve. 
You know how hypocritical it is for you to pray for mercy for yourself and to pray for judgment for the people you don't like? You don't know how hypocritical that is? God, give me mercy. Forgive me, Lord. I didn't know what I was doing, but God, judge them, Lord. They're so wicked. They're so evil. They hurt me so bad. God, give them what they deserve, but Lord, please don't give me what I deserve. You want to talk about hypocrisy? You want to talk about, I believe, sickening the heart of God? That we would so graciously receive His mercy and then so quickly pour out His judgment on the people that we don't like? Intercede for them. This is how you ought to pray for all people, he says. Ask God to help them and intercede for them. In Ezekiel, God told Ezekiel, he said, I was looking for someone to stand in the gap, to make up a hedge, to provide intercession for the nation, but I didn't find anybody. So I judged them and destroyed them. God is looking for an opportunity to have mercy and grace. And the fact that we're all here today is evidence that God has had mercy and grace on us. And I am who I am, as Paul said, because of the grace of God that was poured out upon him. He says, pray for God to help them, intercede for them, and then thank God for them. Give thanks for them. This is how we ought to pray for all people. And then he goes on the next verse. He dials it up a little bit. And he says, pray this way. Also, he's telling us, pray this way for kings and for all who are in authority. So we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Don't just pray for the people you know. Pray for the people that are in authority. Ask God to help them. Intercede for them. And thank God for them. Lord, I thank you that you're opening their eyes that they can see. God, I thank you, Lord, that what the enemy meant for evil, you're going to use for their edification. God, I just want to thank you for turning the heart of a king like a river. Lord, bring to nothing the works that they're doing, but bring salvation into their hearts and into their lives. Because look what the next few verses say. It says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. Verse 4. Who wants everyone to be what? He wants everyone to be saved. The good, the bad, and the ugly. The people we love, the people we hate, the people we agree with, and the people we disagree with. God wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. For there is only one God, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, and His name is Jesus. Look at verse 6. And He gave His life to purchase freedom for who? For everyone. So this is how you pray. God, help them. God, have mercy on them. And God, I thank you that they were created for more than what they're really living right now. See, let me tell you what's powerful about prayer. Prayer changes the atmosphere. And through prayer, we can go where we can never go. We can do what we could never do. And we can be a part of something we could never be a part of. Simply because we opened our mouths and began to pray. So I want us to bow our heads today. And I want to just challenge you today as a Christian. If you're here today and you're a believer in Christ, you're watching me online and you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior, I want to challenge you today. Are you praying this way? Number one, if you're not praying with your mouth, if you're not saying it, you're not praying it with all your power. So I want to challenge you today. Get out of your head and put prayer in your mouth. Get out of your head and put prayer in your mouth. And if you've never prayed out loud in front of another person, I want you to conquer that fear today. I want you to conquer that fear. Before you go to bed 
tonight, I want you to conquer that fear. I'm not just going to think it, I'm going to say it. And I'm going to pray it. Because prayer unleashes the power of God to change my world. The second thing I want to do is if you're here today or you're watching online and you realize Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life. You've never believed in your heart and you've never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and Savior. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says, and now is your appointed time. And if you're here today and you've never been saved and you've never truly confessed Jesus and made Him the Lord of your life, and you say, today, Pastor Keith, my day. I want, to, I want to confess Christ as my Lord. If that's you, I want you just to raise your hand all over this sanctuary. If you're watching online, just hit that hand emoji, right? I'm raising my hand. Just a simple act of faith. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. We pray it every week. Again, it's not magical, but it is spiritual. And if you want to just raise your hand today, I want to confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I'd love to pray with you this morning. We're going to say this prayer together. And if you raise your hand online, this is for you. Let's say it out loud. Everybody in the room, let's pray this together. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I confess I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. We love you today. God bless you so much. So thankful for each and every one of you. Let me remind you on your way out, we've still got 55 backpacks we need to adopt out today. If you've already adopted one, you want to get another one, you can join Kelly and I as we get another one today. Let's get all those backpacks adopted. Have them back by Wednesday. And Meals on Missions tickets are for sale today, and it's the last day for that. We love you guys. Hug somebody's neck. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord.